It's time for another episode about Doogie All-Stars with your host, Tecmo Super Bowl, Nixon the Grouch, and 2-4 Offsuit. Welcome, everybody, to episode 26 of Badoogie All-Stars. This is Tecmo Super Bowl. This is Nixon the Grouch. This is 2-4 Offsuit. We have Media Relations Director of the World Series of Poker, Nolan Dalla, on the program. Uh, that'll be coming up later, as per usual. Uh, but for now, Bryce, what has been going on with you? Uh, my Well, first, my ongoing crow battle. I feel like I, I may have not have won the war, but I have won this round of battle. The crow is that was Jim Crow? Yes, it is. Okay. I, it is. Do you, do you know what that even means? <laughs> you don't, do you? I, I have a general idea, but I feel like I should know more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Never mind. I'm not even going to make a joke. Um, no, that's so what I, the black comedies, right? Yes, it is. More, <laughs> more important than Jim Crow laws, I have a sprinkler that shoots when something walks in front of it. But So it's pretty sweet. Um, I, I've only thought of a couple of things to do with it once I'm done with this whole crow situation, but it's going to be awesome. Nice. The, the you slight, use it for Halloween. Yeah, Halloween people visiting, put it on the, <laughs> by the sidewalk. Um, yeah. The thing is, we have the, it has a sensitivity dial so that it can see little things. It's really emotional. Well, yeah, it does. I, t- <laughs> I, I, tur- I turned it to uh, the notebook. Is the level it's at now? <laughs> wow, that's that's like to it, eleven. It, it was it. You got mail, and that wasn't working, so I turned it up. Um, nice. That's the only two movies I could think of. Um, <laughs> but it was down too low, so it wasn't seeing him at the far end. Now I've turned it up so high that in order to see a crow, it also goes off every time a car drives down the street. <laughs> 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 Which, I mean, whatever. It, it works. It's pretty sweet. How, so, How strong is the spray? It's, I mean, it's pretty strong. It's like a, I mean, it can cover, I think it said like 30 feet or something. I have it turned all the way down, and it's shooting at least 15 feet. So does it hit like when it hits the crow? Does it like knock him over? Only once have there has there been a crow that we've seen when it went off, and it was it, you heard it. There was a noise, and then a crow just took off flying away, and made like a really angry noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. It, yeah, it was pretty sweet. So if anyone is looking for a good use of like fifty bucks, buy a motion detector sprinkler and just point it at your friends <laughs> or the road. Yeah, get a super unless you're friends with the road, in which case both. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Um, in my life, uh, I don't know if you guys pay attention at all to soccer, but the Euro 2012 championships are going to be starting right now. Is that like a and... competition among currencies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the dollar's going to so, lose. So then uh, we what my, my college buddies and I like to do is that we, we like to just throw like little side gambles on all kinds of stuff. And they wanted an interesting way to gamble on this since none of them have any idea like what's going on with soccer. So what we decided to do is set up like a, an auction system for people to buy teams so that, you know, you, you do a blind auction on how much you want to pay for a team. And then the winner gets a certain portion and the loser gets a, or the second place gets a certain portion. And to make it interesting so that not just the top teams got bid on, the team that scores the least amount of goals also gets like a, a small side prize. 
So we've been. I'm already that. confused, by the way. But <laughs> keep going. I was going to say, if you want to place a bet on whether or not anyone else understands this, um, <laughs> I okay. get a lot of action if you go with no. Well, I, I was going to give an example. So okay. Um, so can we, we use te- is- can we use examples of teams that people have heard of instead of European soccer teams? They're countries, so hope oh, I know. Heard of but them. Our audience is primarily American. We don't even know states. England. <laughs> England, I've heard of. We're the one we told Asia. them to f off. <laughs> no, okay. If, if you don't want me to explain it, that's fine. No, I I'll want just, you to explain it. No, 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 explain it. Explain yeah, it. explain it. Otherwise, okay. I'll, be, I'll lay up wondering what the hell was he talking about. <laughs> okay. So, for example, we set up a schedule of when each team is going to get auctioned off, which is in a randomly decided order. So, the first one was Ireland. Um, Ireland's not going to do well in this tournament is the general consensus and the, uh, the Bodog odds. So because of the potato thing, or is that still (laughs) the repercussions are deep? (laughs) Yeah. So the repercussions are very deep. Um, gold. I don't really lucky charms. I don't have a lot of stereotypes for Go ahead. (laughs) Sucker. So they, they just don't have a good team. So the ball hits them because they're so little. (laughs) Get off of me. Uh, top of the morning. Um, so yeah. that was the first team up, and what everybody does is they do a blind auction. So you send in your bids to a, a third party, Who can't see. and and whoever has the highest um, <laughs> bid gets that team. We actually decided to do it a little bit different. It's called a Vickery auction, where whoever gets the highest bid wins, but they only have to pay the second highest bidder's price. So well, that makes it less complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you have to pay in euros? That's a good idea too. What is the euro? That is a really euro? good idea. Yeah. Except so. that those are, I hear those are dropping these days, so we might they're not. Hot? <laughs> no, like they're very, very cold. So cold that it burns. So anyways, I feel like I'm describing this terribly, but um, I won That's Ireland. Okay, we're not listening. I bid $5, <laughs> and the person who below me bid $4. So I win, and I have to pay $4. So then next up was Spain, which is the overall favorite, and... So people went crazy. Uh, I think the the highest bid was like $215, but the second highest bid was only like $165. So the winner had to pay $165 for that. And it goes the same for every team. And then the winner of the uh, tournament gets 70% of the overall prize pool that we generate with these auctions. And the runner-up gets 20%, and highest goal goals or the team with the highest goal score gets 5%, and the team with the lowest goal scored gets 5%. So, I thought you were going to say the winner gets pi times 4 over 1 million <laughs> and divided by the Pythagorean theorem. Yeah, it sounds yeah. less like you guys are really interested in gambling and more like your friends. Oh, we just like making up rules. That <laughs> we'd like to, you know, kind of just put them all in a hat and drone them out. But we'd like to come up with much more complicated, interesting ways to uh, gamble on. Things. I agree with one of those two adjectives, <laughs> <laughs> and that's interesting. This is really so. Simple. So, how many teams do you get? You only get one team, or you get as many work? as you want, right? As many as you bid on. That's why it's interesting. Is that one person could just go and buy all of the teams, but then they would just be paying themselves with their own money, guaranteed so, victory. <laughs> there's no juice, right? No, there's no juice. Then so. you might as well win it all. Go for gold. But then you just start paying yourself with your own money. You didn't actually win anything. I don't think you actually pay yourself. You just call it a win. Like, <laughs> right? I, I don't think 15, 20. Ooh, I won $20. Like, I don't, I can't, that would be a really awesome, like, settlement ceremony if the guy just takes all the money out, lays it out, collects it, pays the next time, collects it. 
<laughs> so, so how many everyone else comes over and watches him do it. So there's 16 teams in it, and we we spent the last week auctioning these off with like the regular blind auction at at noon and midnight, basically every day. You have to have your bids in by. Wouldn't surprise. So, it took a week. <laughs> Six <laughs> days for understanding the rules. <laughs> it technically took eight eight days because there's 16 teams. Oh, I think because you rested on the seventh day, but that was odd. (laughs) I like how God needed to rest. He didn't need to rest. He did. (laughs) He gets to. (laughs) He feels like it. Um, So anyways, I've been super stoked about it. You guys are probably not as stoked as I am, but now we have a whole month to basically sweat this out. Or in my case, my my team will get eliminated in the group stage. Hopefully, you with said team singular. So, do you only have Ireland? Yeah, I only have Ireland. I lost the rest of my auctions, unfortunately. So that, that's pretty sweet because yeah. you're either going to win or you're going to lose four bucks. Yeah, and of... it means you have to watch way less soccer because soccer is boring. <laughs> well, so I feel like you won. It's it's really just a win because most people don't really care about it. Like that's yep. why we chose this is because it's something that's happening that we can gamble on. Why didn't you gamble? See, on the I watch the World Cup pretty much every time it comes on, and which is how often? <laughs> seven years? No, for every four years I watch the World Cup. Checking. Um, and root for the, the next best soccer thing that happens is the champions league which every now and then i'll watch but other than that soccer not so much this is the next best thing it's every four years and it's the euro cup every four years doesn't mean it's just as good it doesn't mean it's just <laughs> in, in frequency is not quality yeah i was talking about quality i said world cup quality then champions league and then i guess the euro cup but how about the, indoor soccer i like playing indoor soccer indoor soccer is awesome because it's like 18 to 14 year old that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I, like I feel score. like you're too old to be playing in that league, Tom. <laughs> uh, indoor soccer is awesome. It's just a bunch of six-year-olds that run them over. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, of something, speaking of something similar to that, I remember I used to go roller skating every Saturday night when I was in middle school. Uh, Rollerblading to be more. I was just thinking last year. Last no, year no. every Saturday. <laughs> Rollerblading more specifically. And... Uh, they would have races uh, on some Friday and Saturday nights, and if you won, you got like a free drink at the cafe or whatever. And uh, Which is I decided you race you're so thirsty by the end, you just you would have bought one anyway. <laughs> it's it's genius. Or if you just um, race yourself, then you just win. Yeah, and you pay yourself in drinks. Exactly. Um, I actually won the drink I have right now in a race that I had earlier today with myself <laughs> to the fridge. <laughs> I won. <laughs> Um, sorry, anyway, I, don't mean to... I decided sorry. I decided to go back to that skate land is what it's called um, in uh, college. I was like, oh, you know, I used to love this place. Uh, let's go back and just kind of check it out. Old time sake, old old times sake, uh, nostalgia. And I go back and with a couple of friends, and I realized I was like, oh, I get it now. Only middle schoolers come here. Yep. Um, and uh, I didn't realize that, uh, that we were by far the oldest people there. Uh, and they had the races still, though. And, and I did enter. <laughs> um, and uh, I entered the 18 and over race because they were their group by age. And I was the only one out So there. it's what I it's said. perfect. Did you win yes. the drink? And I did. I won. Did they really give you the drink when you were the only one? Yes. Did they make you skate or did they just award it to you ahead of time? 
yeah, it's one lap, and I just I just cruised around, and then I, then I picked up my drink. Did you talk smack? Um, Who's in first now? Any... Who's winning? <laughs> it's me. Uh, I thought you meant to the middle schoolers. Like, see me? I no, won I first place. It. What did you win? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought you meant. Either one. Uh, I was thinking in your race, but yeah, whatever. Which is yeah, I was just trying not to wipe out because <laughs> that would have been bad to lose. You wouldn't have lost. <laughs> as long as they will wait yeah. until you're done. Yeah, I was going to say, but I could have had a DNF. I did not finish. Ooh, don't do that. Yeah, I don't. So I don't really. So yeah, that was that was awesome. Nice, cool. Um, any, anything else going on with you guys? Bryce. Yeah, I mean, other the other thing Bryce. I was. Bryce. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I was gonna. Speaking of crashing and getting a DNF, is we got rear-ended by the car behind us in traffic on Saturday, and so we got a. It was a hit and run, so we got like I got to call the police. They caught her. It was really exciting. And did they hit you and then get out of the car and start running? No, they actually oh. the, the runner went in. The runner went towards second. They hit the ball and he made it to third. Oh, okay. And then Bryce got rear-ended in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I'm glad we yeah, had this. How, co- how bad was it? Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, we're they're still getting estimates together and all of that, but it it's close to being a total, but probably not a total. So it's probably like five thousand dollars in damage, something like that. So, Ouch. pretty sweet. But yeah, but since there's very little crime in this area, uh, this is, I'd imagine, was like the highlight of the week for the cops. They probably called in like everybody. <laughs> but yeah, the, there's another car that saw it happen and like turned around, rolled down the window, like, we're following them and took off after the other car. Um, so. <laughs> did, did they get them? They didn't. They got, they saw the lady who was driving and got a partial plate. And gave that to the cop. I don't know how instrumental that was in catching the lady, but they had caught her within like 20 minutes. So. Oh, oh, nice. So they did get him. Nice. Yeah. But yeah. Based, I think based on where the cop went as he was leaving the scene, I think she lives in our neighborhood, but I haven't gone to look yet. I figure that's probably not protocol. Just kind of <laughs> walk. Hey, you did it. I think you're not supposed <laughs> to confront them. But. I now have an idea for your uh, sprinkler. You're a genius. <laughs> that is that is really good, actually. That's like the first good idea you've had since you said we should not record every week. Wait, I was just thinking to spray scro- crows. What were you guys thinking? Oh, I was thinking it was a... Oh, I was thinking to drink out of. See, <laughs> I was the first one of the sprinkler. I get a drink out of it. <laughs> you win. <laughs> um... Yeah, anything else that we want to talk about or make fun of or something? Well, not make fun of, but we could talk about um, a hand that got sent into us by one of our five listeners. Nice. Let's talk about it. Five listeners? Uh, well, uh, I think some of them are robots, so not 100% sure on that. But um, let's see here. Do you guys have the hand in front of you? I do. I have two All right. me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to read it, or do you want me to read it? Why don't you I read it? I want you to read it. Okay. All right. So this comes from our boy, Mike G. Uh, says that he was playing at a local casino. Does he know Mike L? Um, I think they're brothers. Oh, okay. no. That's... I, don't think, I don't think you understand how names work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have the same first name. We're related. <laughs> so um, he's playing a $250 buy-in tournament at a local casino in Connecticut. He says that uh, the money bubble was at 15, and he's now in the money with 11 people left. 
So they're split up on two tables. One has five players and one has six players. So he's at the one with uh, five players. The blinds are 8K, 16K with a 2K ante. The average chip stack is 17 or 170K, and the blind levels increase every 25 minutes. So it sounds like a pretty standard live tournament, kind of bad structure. Everybody's kind of short. Uh, he has 150K, which is just under 10 big blinds, and he gets... All right, so let's hear. Under the unfolds, the cutoff limps, and the cutoff has about 200,000. Uh, the button folds, and then he's in the small blind with 150,000 and jack 10 of hearts. And the big blind has about the same uh, amount of chips as he does. So um, he says that the guy that's in the cutoff has been limping a lot over the last couple rounds, so that's not unusual. And the only time that the guy in the big blind has raised is when he had ace-king and he busted a guy. So pretty sure he's going to see a flop with everything but monsters. And not go too crazy. So um, other reads are that everybody at the table looked under 35, assuming competence. Um, with the live tourney, that's probably a little bit of a stretch. So what he decides to do is he decides to complete a small blind. The big blind looks and quickly checks, and we see a flop. Flop is jack of spades, seven of hearts, three of hearts, giving him top pair and a flush draw. So obviously a monster. He decides to check, the big blind checks, and the cutoff checks. And he says the cutoff checking was surprising because he'd either bet every time they'd raise preflop or he'd bet out after he'd limp, and nobody else had bet. So he was planning on putting in a check raise, but he whiffs. Turn is the four of clubs, and he checks again. I think going for a check raise again. The big blind bets 22000 into a 58000 pot. Cutoff folds, and our hero... Mike G jams for 142 remaining. So, what do you guys think? Uh, well, I mean, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. Uh, no, no, you. no, 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 you. No, okay. after you. Okay, I'll go. Um, Wait, anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, I, okay, fine, just go then. <laughs> I, I'm out. I'm going home. Okay, Bryce, you go. No, Tom, you go. Uh, no, I pre. <laughs> Preflop. I mean, we only have. I mean, considering that it's a, you know a shorthanded table and what the blinds are compared to our stack, I think we just it's we're in a shove or fold situation. Um, I mean, I think it's what like the the you have like four rounds left, something like that. If I'm yeah. doing the math correctly, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think there's much room to limp and then fold. Um, very often. I mean, with a hand like this. Especially if the cutoff is limping a ton of stuff, I have no problem, you know, shoving over the top of him. And the big blind's not gonna go crazy and call with a bunch of random stuff with the tournament the way it is. So we don't have to worry about three-handed. Yeah, this is this is this kind of goes back to uh, a hand that I played in the tournament. Where oh, you figured kinda... it's about you. <laughs> yep, definitely about you. Yep, always about me. Please send in um, your guys' hands so we can relate them to Tom. <laughs> Um, no, no, just like we were we were discussing before where, you know, Vanessa, she has to do her crazy stuff because that's where her edge comes from. Whereas in these um, low buy-in local area to- tournaments or, or home game tournaments, your edge, a lot of your edge comes from shoving in proper spots uh, and people not adjusting their calling range as well. And I think this is an exact 
example of that situation where we can shove Jack 10 suited here, which is a decent hand against, a, like we said, cutoffs wide range and expect a fair amount of fold equity because his calling range isn't going to widen the way it should um, when we shove here. And not to mention that with us having about 150,000 in chips, if we shove and take down the pot, I mean, we're not even looking to get other bets. We shove and take down the pot right now. We increase our stack by 33% around there, which is a huge increase. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm all for shoving pre, uh, like I said, I mean, it's, and not to mention this is a good hand. So even if we do get called, um, we have, you know, a, a fair amount of equity against a lot of hands. Okay. Um, I think that shoving is probably definitely going to be plus EV. Now, one of the things that you guys both touched on is that this is kind of a, like a low buy-in event and, you know, we are deep enough where there's still a little bit of edge that we can have skill-wise. Um, if we think that you know we're we're better players than these than these guys at our table, and I think that um, at first I didn't think so, but I actually talked this over with Wilt on Tilt, and he convinced me that uh, completing is probably okay, since you know, like Bryce said, the big blind's not going to go crazy. Um, we actually end up in a situation like this where. For 8K, you know, and then we have, you know, the button cut off under the gun, three basically free more hands just for Annie's before we we have to actually, like, make a move. So I think that completing, um, if you think that you have, like, a serious skill edge, might be better than just jamming, but jamming is probably going to be profitable as well. Yeah, I mean, I know Wilt is better than me, but I I still disagree that that's going to be better because I think... um, I think, again, calling here is going to be plus EV, definitely more than folding, obviously. Um, but my problem with it is is we're committing, you know, not a huge portion of our stack, and, but we're going to have to check fold a lot. Um, and it'd be one thing if we had some sort of position, but we are absolutely in the worst position out of, what is it? it it's cutoff, button, us, and big blind. It's four-handed. Three cut off us on big blind. Okay, so button. Okay, so uh, that helps a little um, with with completing. I was for some reason I was thinking button called as well, um, but still we're we're in the worst position. And just as it happened, you know, when we're going to try to go for check raises and whatnot, um, it's not going to work out sometimes. And you know, the turn just happened to be a, a, an offsuit four here, but it could have very, very easily have been an ace, and then now we're behind, you know, certain hands. And I just think, yeah, we, I think sometimes we overvalue our skill edge when the positions just aren't right, and it's going to be difficult to play with shallow stacks. When I don't know, I just, I just feel like it's one of those situations where you want, you don't want confrontation when you can add 33% to your stack most of the time for without any hassle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's, I still, I agree. I mean, I, I, I see the merit in calling, but I just think there's, there's enough money in the pot compared to our stack that I'd rather just pick it up. And I mean, to what Tom said, if, I think if the button had called, I'd be more likely to complete rather than raise. Cause now I got to get through two guys that limp that might go, Oh, well, there's a lot of money and I call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I true. don't really want that. I actually would if there was two two limps ahead I would I would probably just complete. But just having one limper that we think we probably have good fold equity against, I would be more inclined to raise. 
yeah, so who, and who said that you have to check fold a lot? Tom did. I know. That's Why who. You, well, you asked that. <laughs> one of saying, us consulted we... Wilt on Tilt. One of us just answered themselves. I think you and your phone a friend may have more information. <laughs> I don't know. That that was uh, I, I was on board with you guys with shoving, but I think that if you you have a skill edge as you're going to have in a lot of these, where you know a lot of these guys are just going to be you know folding if they miss, and you really you know what do we have to bet like one big blind to get folds from their air, or we can yeah, value bet. It, but I think if our goal is to get them to fold, that shoving pre is going to do that so much or so often that. We don't even get the, give them the chance to hit a hand. Oh, I mean, we have a pretty hand. Don't we kind of want them to hit a hand? Yeah. We have Jack High out of position, though. And I feel pretty. like <laughs> it's pretty, I agree, but it's Jack High out of position. And I just think so often with cutoffs wide uh, limping range and big blind going to fold, he's going to fold so often that we're going to pick up a pot that adds 33% to our stack that it becomes... It's nice that we have this hand when called, mm-hmm. but it's one of those situations where we should almost look to shove a very, very wide range, um, strictly because it's going to add that much to our stack, and we don't want to give them the chance to hit anything. Is there a hand that would be too nice to shove here, in your opinion? Um, I mean, because I think our fold equity is so high, I think... Um, Slow playing monsters isn't a bad idea. Okay. Um, so, anyways, let's go to the flop now. Let's say that we did complete. Um, what do you because guys think about his plan to check raise? I I feel like the stacks are too short to bother with check raising. We can we have three streets to get our money in. I mean, I'm I'm stacking off at the, at this point. When you hit top pair in a flush draw, yep. I'm the money's going in. So yep. I would bet small not like half pot and try and get someone who has a, you know, bottom pair or some weird pocket pair or something just to call a couple of times. And by the time they realize that they've committed themselves and we win. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a situation where, I mean, he had the read that, that win check to cut off bet a lot. So it's hard to fault him with that read for checking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, online, especially here, I'm going to bet out because, uh, I, our hand is somewhat vulnerable to, to overcards, aces, kings, and queens. Um, and like Bryce said, we're going to get the money in if we get raised. So it's not like we're afraid of a raise. Uh, we just really need to make sure that money goes in at this point. Uh, there's a flush draw out there, so we can get called by that. Uh, it's jack 7-3, so we can get called by all kinds of uh, pairs, something like ace-3 suited, ace-7 suited, or even ace-3 ace all suit, ace-7 all suit. Um, yeah, know, there's I'll, there's gut shots that'll that might call if we bet small enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's there's plenty of hands that we can get value from, um, and even you know maybe something like an ace queen that big blind didn't raise, or you know so, you know there's just there's a lot of value to be had in a bet, and uh, there's a lot of missed value if we do check and uh, the cutoff doesn't continue with our read. I mean, and the other thing, I mean, I would be worried about a flush card coming off on the turn, not because I think we'd be beat, but I think it would it would potentially kill our action. Someone who has a three or a seven or, you know, pocket fives or something and checks behind, when, once the flush card hits, everybody notices the flush, 
you know, it's people get scared and might fold something that if they already started committing and it's like, oh, I only have a you know half pot size bet left, they might go with it. So mm-hmm. it's another reason I would want to get money in sooner than later. Yep. Uh, I, I tend to agree. I would probably lead here um, and small, you know, because we are trying to get value and kind of just, you know, get get it so that stacks will very, very easily go in by the river, which I mean, yeah, I mean the, starting the, the with 10 big of, blinds, it's tough to not get it in by the river. Yeah, exactly. And the range, we're, like we said, the range we're targeting is weak. So we want to bet small to, to get that part of the range to call. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, having with our check raise on the turn, do you think you should go for it again on the river or, or on the, on the flop, go for it again on the turn or just lead out on the turn at this point? I, I think it just I, look. I, I think it looks super strong if you check through and then check raise the turn, like it, it's like you're getting tricky. I don't know. I just don't think someone, if you got check raise there, if they have, if they thought you were, everyone was weak and we're just trying to take it down, they're going to fold. If they have a seven or something they're going to fold i just i think we're just blowing people off the hand at that point yeah i think that the turn is an amazing spot for us to bet because i think their calling ranges become even wider actually because at least you know in this situation if i'm in this situation where where i have air and the flop checks through and the four comes i'm immediately thinking about bluffing because Mm -hmm. that four didn't help anybody most likely um, and everyone checked through the flop, so everyone, so more than likely nobody has anything at this point. So I'm going to be bluffing here pretty much my entire error range. Um, so if anyone is thinking at all on that level of just kind of like, oh, he checked a flop and a four comes, what does he have? I, I think they're going to call with very, very wide range. So I, be- I think betting here is mandatory so that we can get we can get very, very light calls. Okay, what size do you like? Um... Let's see what there's like fifty eight thousand still in the pot because flop mm-hmm. checked through. So yeah, I'd, pr- I'd probably bet something like thirty five thousand or something. Okay. I actually kind of like the big blind, like the twenty two that he bet, like something a little less than half pot. I think you're gonna get called by pretty much like everything. You know, anything that thinks they have a piece or might something is gonna call. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think if you bet half pot or higher, you start getting people to fold. Yeah, I think if if it was the flop, I like the twenty two thousand because that's where the I, um, that's true. Know, the ranges are going to be a little bit narrower. But I think just based on the, the 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 fact that I would bluff so many hands, which they may or may not know, I realize, but I think their calling range might be even bigger on on the turn, which allows us to bet a little bigger. Now, granted, I mean thirty five that still might be a little big, you know, maybe so maybe we compromise on something like thirty. Okay. Nice. Well, uh, did Wilt, did Wilt supply you with the answer to this street too, or are you gonna think for yourself? <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. I I think that um, leading out is mandatory, like you guys said. You know, we we really don't want this to check through again, and you know, just to have the you know basically give the pot to somebody when the queen king ace rolls off, yeah. or just not be able to build up a pot so that we could get all in, or at least get another big bet in. Um, yeah, we don't want them them to realize their equity essentially for free. Right. Look at the, look at you with the big words. No wonder you're so good. <laughs> who, who who have you been talking to? <laughs> My dog. So basically, uh, the big blind tanks and then slowly mucks saying that he thinks I was on a flush draw, and our hero doesn't say anything. So, uh, kind of not exactly the result. And the cutoff we, holds uh, too. Or? 
uh, the cutoff folded to the original Big Blinds bet because that's how it oh, goes okay, around in order. Oh, are they order. playing in sequence? Yeah. <laughs> in that case, um, <laughs> and then he says the after that he picks up a few. He picks up jacks. It goes all in, and he gets snap called by Ace King, and he gets crippled. So sorry to hear that, Mike. Um, but at least you got advice from the best in Tecmo's home game. <laughs> and so um no that by was the way again if you are from tecmo's home game and are listening email us <laughs> lots of hands yep. i think uh, everyone stopped listening i, I, <laughs> I did <laughs> like everyone not just the people from my home game it's yeah it's us and mike now hey, mike how you doing <laughs> hey we'll just bring him on as a fourth host <laughs> 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 well, uh, thanks for sending that in, though. And if you guys have more hands, um, we love to talk about them. We'll get in depth. If you guys don't like our analysis or you disagree, you can write about it in the comments at badoogieallstars.com, and we can uh, debate about it. Um, so make sure to send in uh, any more hands that you guys have. Um, just real quick, uh, we wanted to congratulate Vincent Vanderflout, or however you say his name. Uh Supergrunte. Soup, you, soup vegetables. Yeah, vegetable soup. Um, for winning <laughs> winning the, uh, I think it was event 11, I can't remember, the $1,500 PLO event. He shipped the bracelet for $265,000. All so, of Sweet. Congratulations, sir. Yep. I'm sure you will never hear this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get him on like... 10 episodes from now, I'll be like, yeah, by the way, we congratulated you. He's like, I don't know the podcast. Um, yeah. And now I hope he doesn't listen. That was like the worst accent ever. I don't know. Yeah, I can, can, you do, yeah. Yeah, can you do his accent again? No. <laughs> do you guys have any news? Um, the only news that I heard is that now Spain officially has online poker. Muy bien. <laughs> Wait, did they not before? Uh, it was, they, they cut them all off and... They were doing their own thing, so now they have their own legal segregated player pool. Yep, they said adios, now they said hola. <laughs> uh, they still have fried ice cream. I think that's Mexico. Oh. <laughs> well, let's screw you, Spain. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, um, I, I'd yeah. imagine Mexico has some sort I mean, sorry, now you messed me up. I was going to say Spain has some sort of dessert you would want to eat. Yeah. You better not offend them or else they won't make it for you anymore. Yep. That it, well, maybe yeah. maybe don't, I can... Don't uh, do a bad accent or they'll stop listening. And <laughs> never come on as a guest. Maybe I can uh, say I'll pay a certain price for their dessert and then only have to pay the second highest price on the menu. <laughs> Is that how it works in Spain? I, well, I only if you're bidding on their soccer team. Oh, okay. Does Spain have a soccer team? Are they a country still? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I told you we didn't know. I, they, merged, they merged with España. <laughs> okay. Um... I was going to say on that note, but I don't even know that was a note. On that piece of garbage, maybe we should <laughs> throw it to our interview with Nolan Dalla. I agree. All right. Yeah, coming up next is the interview with Media Relations Director for the World Series of Poker, Nolan Dalla.
Okay, everybody, we are on with Nolan Dalla, the Media Relations Director for the World Series of Poker. How are you doing, Nolan? Everything's great. Uh, nice to be with you and your audience, and uh, uh, I'm ready to talk about the World Series of Poker. Yes, everyone's very, very excited. I, I actually fly out on Sunday, so I can't wait to get there every year. The The buzz is always great, and I just can't wait to just set foot in the Rio, which is where you are now, right? Yes, and by the way, everyone here at the Rio is waiting for you. That's why the tennis is a little down. They're waiting for you to get here, sir, because as soon as you're here, the, the tournaments will fill up, no question. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a compliment. Well, you haven't picked this bitch already. <laughs> um, so how, how have things been going? Well, you know, the World Series, I've been doing this for, I guess, more years than I care to admit, and it's always different every year. When I step into the building from day one, I really never know what this World Series is going to be like. Every World Series, again, is different. I, I remember, you know, certainly the days of Binion's Horseshoe back in the, well, going back to the 1980s when I was there, the 90s and then 2000s when I was, uh, I guess, on staff there. And then we move over to the Rio the last uh, six years, seven years, and this place is very different atmosphere. And uh, I think the Rio tends to... You know, we've improved this facility, I think, dramatically over the last four or five years, particularly with regards to getting around, and uh, it's a con there's a lot of conveniences here that weren't here in the initial years. So I know I'm sounding, again, like a, a suit for the for, for, for Seasons Entertainment of the World Series, and that is what I do. But I, I really, in my heart, if you've been here and you look around and you see how organized it is, I think it, uh, it clearly enhances uh, the player experiences, which is the goal of the World Series, to make sure everybody can come compete and have a good time. Yeah, and I, I think one of those changes is you guys added a bunch of new tables and have a whole section for, for cash, cash games, right? Yes, you're exactly right. And it's, it's a, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to paint a visual picture here, okay? Uh, it, it, everyone remembers what the World Series looks like from TV or if they've attended. They have a concept of what it's like. And I would say that the atmosphere this year, uh, this is my phraseology, I would say it's like a, an international airport. If you've been to, uh, I'll use Atlanta or Chicago or Dallas or one of those airports that's really, really large and you have enormous amount of things happening at once, flights going, people going down the hallways, or people going this way and that way, and all these moving parts. Well, it's interesting because all of the energy, in a sense, is spread out. And I want to repeat, spread out. It's not condensed into one electrifying focal point. And, and even the final tables are, I don't want to say secondary, but they're kind of, they kind of just blend in with a much bigger complex here at the, at the Rio. And so, you know, what you're seeing here, and I, I, and I feel like when I'm coming into work each day, I almost feel like I'm going into the airport and, and we've got, you know, however many, you know, hundreds of flights today. And as long as, well, this is a really bad analogy, as long as nothing <laughs> crashes, I guess, I guess everything's good. We've had a few crashes, by the way, this year, which I'm sure we'll talk to you, talk about later in the show. Awesome. How would you say that things have changed overall in the in the past? I'd say compared to two years ago, you know that was a pre Black Friday World Series, and then last year was Black Friday, and the World Series happened right afterwards. And I think all the all the poker players' plan was just kind of wait and see how the World Series goes, and then after that we'll figure out the rest of our lives in this post Black Friday world. So now that all that's kind of happened, how does this one compare? I, I think you know something. We're, I think we're still in the middle. I think we're still in the middle of answering that question. I think it's a little too early to draw generalities. I'm not being evasive of all, of all at all, but I I think that if you look at last year and the consensus of opinion 
going in to the 2011 World Series of Poker was, oh gee, nobody can get their money off off the online sites. They're not. They're going to be broke. The tennis is going to go be down. You know, think about how much money was offshore and. You know, obviously people couldn't get it out of a couple of the sites. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think the perception was this is going to really hurt the World Series. Well, it didn't hurt the World Series at all. In fact, the numbers were, were up at, at, at record numbers. So uh, this year the question was, okay, now what's happened in the last, what is it, 12 months or whatever? And I, I think we clearly agree that the climate and the landscape of poker is completely different now. It, it has really changed, particularly in the United States. And... I guess a surprise, and, and, and we have what we call knee-jerk, knee-jerk anticipations. We think, oh, everybody's out of money. That means that people can't play tournaments. It's a natural progression of thought. It's a logical step to say this. However, I want to say this is, this is what's really strange to me at this year's series, is the, the bread-and-butter events, the, players, the, the, the events that appeal to the average poker player, the $1,500 buy-in events, here, there, and uh, what we've had, those numbers have declined, strangely enough. Whereas the $5,000 buy-in, even the $10,000 buy-in events, the ones that are the super, the super events of the sense, those numbers are up. So we, I think we anticipated that this, you know, the lack of sponsorship and a lot of different things would hurt us with the high-dollar buy-in tournaments. That's not been the case. Those numbers are strong. Stud events are up. The pot limit Omaha's up. We had the largest... Omaha high-low tournament history, in history, I repeat, whereas, you know, again, the 1500s, which is kind of your average poker player that plays that one, those have been, uh, uh, those have declined a bit. So I think those results are a little bit surprising. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if that has to do with just it being early or, or not, because that, that's definitely a surprising result. It is, and, it, and that's why I say when I, when I was asked this question, I think I said, uh, you know, the jury's still out. This is the second quarter of a basketball game, really the first quarter, because we're talking now, and essentially we've just completed event 12, and there are 61 gold braces events. So the first quarter's not even over yet. So anybody that's you know, got these generalizations about World Series, numbers up, down, whatever, hey, it's very early. Let's see what happens. Just wait till Tom gets there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Then all hell breaks loose, and I'm <laughs> bubbling everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I bubbled the triple draw event last year, so everyone just makes fun of me for that all the time. So <laughs> uh, we're, we're not going to hear a bad beat story, are we? No, not at all. No, you're just going to hear about bad play. Just bad yep. play. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, by the way, reminds me, a real quick funny story. You got, you got like 10 Well, this is a 20-second story. Can I tell it quickly? You have 40 seconds. All right, I got, I got 40 seconds. Here, here we go. The, TJ, go the, the great T.J. Cody had told me this story once, and I thought it was a wonderful thing. Because you, if you're around this game and this business, you hear so many bad beat stories. There's nothing, that will, there's nothing anymore you can hear where you have any sympathy. I don't care who it is. I don't care what the situation. I have no sympathy. I've heard them all, seen it all. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, T.J. Cody apparently, you know, he, he could have been the world champion in 2000. And when Ferguson beat him, and pretty, kind of out during, but the ace nine versus uh, what was an ace queen or whatever. And 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 TJ Cody has a wonderful uh, parable about this. He says, "I will never stop and listen to a bad beat story unless they can tell me one, it cost him the world championship, in which case it did TJ's, or it cost him over a million dollars, which again it cost TJ over a million dollars." I think that was really good. So anybody's got one that cost him a million or cost him the world championship, stop no one down the hallway. I'll listen. <laughs> I think that's a perfect filter. Right. That's really sweet. Um, 
what about ESPN? How how does your job tie in with the ESPN coverage at all? Does it? Well, no, not really. I mean, they have their own staff. They come in and they're going to do three events this year. Um, I you know I think that ESPN's coverage has changed over the years. You recall they used to do some of the early events, the fifteen hundred dollar buy-ins, the Poker Players Championship used to be televised. This is the um, you know the Chip Reese Memorial event right now, and the yep. one that, uh, I think most people are used to seeing that. Well, that's not going to be on this year. But in place of that, in place of that this year, we've got something that's uh, how could I say even better, even grander, even greater. And in a sense, we we very much have that with the one drop. $1 million buy-in tournament this year because we're very close to selling out. We had an announcement at WSOP.com today that we've now filled, I forgot the number of seats, but we have 48-player cap on this. Again, $1 million. A million dollar, uh, oh, I just remembered something. Guys, I think we're at 45 seats. I think we got three left. So let me just oh, see. Wow. Jordan, Bryce, and Tom, you guys, you mean, you know, that's $3 million. Can we, can we get you in? <laughs> Is that a, are you offering to stake us? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I've made worse decisions than that before. But uh, anyway, so there are three more seats open, and we expect this to be an incredible event. Incredible event, not just for the charity, the One Drop Foundation, and, and doing a lot of very positive things, uh, but also just to make it. You know, poker should be fun. It should be exciting. It should be something that people want to watch, and people are going to want to watch this one when it appears on ESPN. You said that there was a. Does your bad beat? Does your bad beat filter include horrible buy-in decisions for one million dollars? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that's that's interesting because uh, you know I think that the one cool thing about the World Series of Poker in particular is that it shows that anybody I don't say anybody can win because it makes it sound like there you know there's not a scope upon it because there certainly is. But if you look at some of the champions and winners over the years, they're people that you thought would never, never win or never win a bracelet. Even some world champions. So that's the cool thing that really there's no such thing really as dead money in a way because you just never quite know what's going to happen. And again, I think that element just adds a lot of mystique to uh, you know to what's going to go what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Now, now speaking of the one drop, uh, can you tell us why it was capped at forty eight? Gee, I got to say I'm not exactly sure of that. I think that one of the things was we just wanted to kind of have the. Uh, the roster of players, if you know, you know what I mean? It's like kind of like the NFL. You have 45 players and you start the season. I think there's a certain buildup that we have to this event that we want to know the, say, the 48 players that are playing. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you know who's in this corner and this corner and that. And that. I think that's a, a really, you know, a good thing. I also think it's I, – I don't, I don't think it's um, really a positive thing that, that people spend a lot of time and energy trying to scrap and – you know, make all these deals to try to get in, which is poker players are just known for that. They just scrap away and try to piece out themselves. And I, I don't think it's really positive for t- too many players to do that and then take away from, let's say, the other gold bracelet events that they're much more probably geared toward playing. You know what I mean? So we don't want this also to interrupt the natural flow of the World Series, and particularly with regard to, and let's admit there's only so much money out there. We also don't want it to put a dent in the other events that uh, they're going to be taking place. Gotcha. Yeah, do you call that the John Robert Ballon rule? So you don't want to have people scrap <laughs> you. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I just uh, heard that he tweeted out that he was going to buy in or put his deposit down, and that's uh, gee, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> has, he, has he ever been on your show? Not I have yet. Not. 
Oh, you've got to get him on. I mean, that's like. <laughs> Let me say this: I'm glad, I'm glad, you, I'm glad he wasn't before me as a guest because there's no way you're going to top this guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea, though. Yeah, you get him on. I'm sure he'd love to. You know, the thing is, you ask him one question, then the show's over two hours later. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he tweeted two days ago. He says, "Yes, I'm going to play the one drop." Yeah, right. So I guess you never we'll, know. Uh, have, have to wait. I, and see you know, I hope he. I, I hope he does play. Can you imagine? That he's, he's a fun guy. He's a fun guy to watch. Let's just say that. And I gotta admit that I'm like a kid sometimes watching these events and watching these players and how they interact. And I, I always like fun players. I like players that talk and have fun at the table and. Maybe they get out of line a little bit. I think that's kind of good. You know, I, I probably am maybe a dinosaur in that way. A lot of people like it to be more, you know, clinical or, you know. I, I, I like the old school, the old style. You know, it's a game of personalities, and I, I don't ever want to get away from that. Yeah, and I mean, especially if, if this is going to be one of the events on TV, he would be great for it. Big indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, one other quick question about the one drop. Do you, since it's 48, is it going to be... Uh, to start out, is it going to be eight six-handed tables or six eight-handed tables? Oh, I thought it was six eight-handed tables, yeah. Okay, think, that's what yeah. I figured, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, by the way, I'm winging some of this. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. No, no, that's what we it, do on this uh, podcast. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it, it, it's, eight, it's six eight-handed tables, right? And it, 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 it does appear we are going to sell out. I mean, gosh, we're one another almost three weeks away, so... Yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool. I've seen that you guys have done a couple of different new kinds of events, like the uh, Heads Up No Limit PLO event. That's pretty cool. Um, and then the Mix Max event was another one that yeah. I thought was pretty sweet. Um, what Are you guys just uh, in the back room, like, scheming up new tournament styles, or were these, like, player suggestions? Well, you, you know, well, kind of, that's true. Uh, and I, you know, I guess my commercial for the World Series of Poker, if I can go forward on this, is that we, the World Series of Poker, is the only tournament that will, I should say tournament series, that will offer these other games, and particularly some crazy games. I mean, games that in some cases aren't even hardly played anymore. They're just the sevens, the low ball, this. You know, you don't find these games in your average casino. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let, let, let me just be quite frank here. You know, the Caesars Entertainment gets often a bad rap for, you know, the big evil giant corporation always trying to get all the money it can. Well, if we were, if we were indeed just, you know, interested in doing that, we would offer 61 no-limit hold'em events and make them all $1,000 buy-ins, because I guarantee you there'd be more people in this town, they'd be falling out of the building if there's so many people in here. Well, we, yeah. we, we, we feel entrusted with protecting the traditions of the World Series of Poker. And that means promoting and, uh, you know, trying to grow, uh, you know, some other forms of poker. And that includes, you know, games that are not, you know, no-limit hold'em. And so you will never find any other tournament in the world, even close to the uh, to the menu of, of games and limits, limit varieties that are at the World Series of Poker. So, you know, do we get in the bathroom and scheme, well, let's throw this together and this? You know, I think it's really great that it changes every year. And you kind of like going to a buffet. You really know, never know what's going to be, you know, the next uh, next style over. And I think that I think that keeps a certain amount of energy and uh, you know spontaneity to this to this series. And then gets back to your first question about what's different. Another question with that for the doubles event, is that two bracelets or do they have to share? Um, Actually, I don't think that one's a bracelet right. event. Oh, it's not a bracelet uh, event? You're, you're right, you're right. I, I had to think for a second. Yeah, you're right. That is what's called an exhibition event. And this year for the world, really for the first time in many, many, many years, goes back to the back when uh, 
the great Eric Drake used to run the World Series of Poker. And gosh, I have such an admiration for him. They used to have some things called like the Businessman Special. There was a tournament <laughs> where just business people came in and played for, no, seriously, they played for a place. So you couldn't be a professional player. You had to be, a, you know, somebody from a whatever. By the way, it's talking about sexist. A business, it was called sort of businessman. I was thinking how sexist that is, you know, now. <laughs> yeah. you know, that. But, but it was all men, you know, back in the 19, late 70s, early 80s. Anyway, getting back to your question, we have... Uh, it's an exhibition event, and one of them is, it used to be called the Mixed Doubles back in the, well, gee, it was held for three or four years here at the World Series of Poker, uh, you know, a male and female had to team up, that's the way it used to be, and now we're just going to have the doubles event, and that, that's, again, it's, we, we did this, we did this over at WSOP Europe in 2009, was the last time, we actually had an event where you, you know, you, you play a hand, and the guy comes in next to plays the next one, and and, you know, changes back and forth, and I think that really changes up the strategy. Because, you know, there's a certain continuity to poker, and you know, you kind of set things up. Well, all that's interrupted when you have two minds going, and also particularly when things aren't going well. You see sometimes the two, you know, you see some discord and disharmony there. That, I'm sorry, it kind of makes it fun to watch. You know? sorry, so there have been a number of. Yeah, there have been a number of rule changes uh, this year, uh, including celebrations. Uh, discussion of hands heads up and announcing the action at the final tables. Can you speak a little better about that? Well, yeah, and I'm going to speak first of all on a personal, you know, from a personal standpoint, you know, which, you know, I, you know, I, I realize what my position is, and I represent the World Series of Poker, and I'm, a, you know, I, I, I'm also a poker player at heart. I'm also somebody who's, believe me, I've grown up in this business, and I know. I know what poker players want because I have been one. And most people out there, if they look at my background, I've been in a lot of different card rooms. And I used to grind it out in these tiny games. And I guess I played middle limit. I never played real, real, real super high stakes. But I think I get it from all, from all, you know, all the, the whole landscape. And so I really get it. And so whenever I heard about some of these rule changes, I, I actually was, well, I was opposed to uh, uh, at least one of them. And, uh, I guess the more it was explained to me and the more that, you know, I thought about it, at least I saw the, you know, the need for, for some changes to be made, or at least the, the attempt to make changes. And let me, let me discuss the very first one. Actually, one of the things that I'm very much in favor of, personally and certainly according to the World Series, is the celebration rule. I have just been very disappointed in the last three or four years that in an effort to, you know, uh, make this a, a gentlemanly or gentleman-womanly, you know, game and uh, something that's comfortable for everyone, that we just essentially put a, a zipper on everyone's mouth and make everyone sit there and play like robots. That's pretty much the way it's in. There's been no, you can't fist pump, you can't jump up, you can't say, yeah, I won, all right, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't do that. You yeah, can, I mean, let's be, let's be too. honest. It's all Havad Khan's fault. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And, right. and the one Swedish dude who every time he won the hand, he's like, yeah! Uh, <laughs> here's, the, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Do you know what? We remember them, don't we? And you know yes. what? If somebody, this is my thing. Somebody says, oh, he's making a fool of himself, or he's make, he looks like an idiot. That's fine. Shouldn't poker be about that? Shouldn't it be... Um, I have this whole thing that I remember reading 20 years ago. I forgot the author. I forgot who wrote this. Forgive me whoever wrote this. But he said, a man is stripped bare at the poker table. He shows who he really is. I love that because that's exactly true. And when you inhibit someone's ability to be themselves and to show who they are, whether they're jerks or gentlemen, it doesn't matter. 
I love the fact that people can be themselves, and that's what's going to happen now with this new allowing celebration. Now, what's what? Is, what is the actual rule? Like, because I'm guessing you can't just like go around like going duck duck goose around the table when you win a hand and like (laughs) (laughs) the key there's the key word the key word is excessive okay celebration is not permitted you cannot orchestrate you know you can't do all this Calvad Khan stuff I'm sorry to you know pull him his name out of the thing again but uh you know you know if someone if someone just catches a miracle 22 to 1 outer on the river and knocks out you know Bill Ivey, I think the guy's entitled to jump up and say, yeah, all right. What's wrong <laughs> yeah. with that? That's, that's good for the game. Even more so television. if it's hell moves. Hey, I'm the one on the rail jumping up and, yeah, I'm the one. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I got my own people I root for against, but you're absolutely right. we got to make this thing fun again, and that's exactly what this rule is designed to do. Good. And, and we're... And with that, like, um, kind of, you know, what it's designed to do, like getting the fun back into poker, I feel like the the other one that we touched on, the discussion of hands heads up, that's going to be allowed now? Um, you're talking about announcing the action? Oh, excuse me, you're no, talking no. about the heads up. Yeah. Where you can say, yeah, like, it, it, do you have a king or, or something like that? Yeah. The old rule, just for the listeners, so we understand each other, players were not permitted to talk about their hands when they're engaged in the hand. You could say, do you have an ace, or I've got an ace, I pulled on the king. You can't do that. But that was the old rule. Well, again, I, I think that we would agree, and I, I think I know you guys a little bit here. I know that you are poker purists. You know that psychology is part of the game. You know, reverse tells, and the mental, and the, and, the, and the step one to step two, the step three thinking. You know, is he lying to me? All this deception. I think that was what makes poker fun to play. And I think most people agree, by the way. If you're in a Thursday night home game sitting at home, this is what you do. This is what you're used to doing. What's wrong with having that fundamental element here at the biggest stage in the world? And so yeah. we're trying to bring, I guess, essentially that element back. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's exactly what most people are like me, a rec- recreational player. Like you said, I have a Thursday night home game. You know, people want to take that experience on a bigger, grander stage and then have even more fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I, I think that we have to again be respectful that you know these things shouldn't be abused. So just I don't want to make it sound like the you know there, there's shotguns and the wild west is in here. And you know, it's not it's not it's not like that. But I mean, we do have some rules and we will enforce them. You know, you can't abuse these things and so forth. But I think the, the spirit, I want to repeat the word, the spirit of these new rules is to enhance uh, people's ability to have fun, enjoy, and celebrate. And, you know, and, and one thing, one real quick thing, uh, we'll get to the celebration thing in uh, just a second, one more thing about that, is I know that there's people that, some people I respect that are on the other side of this issue, and they claim that, for example, if the other guy's jumping up, yeah, I just want this call. Think about the poor guy who got drawn out on, and, or the lady, obviously. I mean, the, the person sitting on the other end of that doesn't want to hear somebody just, you know, jumping up and down and screaming. You know what my answer is? Two words. You know what they are? Well, it, 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 grow up. Yeah. You're in a poker room. You're playing in a $1,500 buy-in tournament. Grow up. When you walk in this, in this room, you, you accept, such, I think, some measure of, you know, you're going to be battle-tested. That's what I'm saying. And so we want to make it fun, fair for everyone. But listen, this is people are allowed to enjoy themselves. And boy, I'm so glad to see these rules changed. I, I was going to guess yeah. the two words were win more. 
<laughs> well, I was afraid you were going to think there were two other words. I wanted to start with an F. So. <laughs> Good. No, I, I couldn't agree more with the, with the sentiment and and the spirit, like you said. I mean, because people want to be free to have fun and. You can't treat everything with kid gloves. It's the same argument that, you know, when people say, oh, kids shouldn't be watching that TV show. Oh, well, you know what? Don't have them watch that TV show. You know, it's it's very simple. You know, it's, I, I, I couldn't agree more with with the spirit of keeping it light and keeping it fun. Yeah. OK, maybe someone's going to get their feelings hurt, but we're all adults. You have to be an adult to play in these events. So, you know, get over it. Well, yeah. I think there's a line that has kind of been crossed sometimes with people that are they rather than celebrate is berate the guy who lost is much different than just that joyful like yes it's you're so stupid i told you you were going to lose and i think that's what people kind of all group together and they're very separate things oh that's that's actually well said i i i, I think you're onto something there uh however i think that the the um for example the berating i you know i think that we've all been in this situation if i poker for example getting the speech from the guy who lost, the guy who's going to tell you how badly you played or what an idiot you are. Keep in mind, he could very well be sitting at the table. And by the way, I, I, I've heard that, I've heard that speech a lot. Okay, so so uh, you, know, you know what an idiot I am. So you know when I draw it out. So so uh, uh, when, when when people make you feel uncomfortable at the table, there's no celebration. There's no profanity required. You could sit there and you, and use the king's English. And talk about how what an idiot your 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 opponents are. And by the way, there's no rule against that. Pretty much, you could pretty much be the biggest jerk in the world if you don't use profanity. You don't jump up and up your, you know. Again, these these rules that we had were mis misappropriated, misaligned. They were not. They didn't address, you know, really. I think things that you just brought up there, which mm-hmm. people's discomfort is just caused by. Well, forgive me, miserable people. There are some miserable people, unfortunately, in this game. True. Um, the the next one that we mentioned was a little more controversial. It's the announcing <laughs> action at the final tables. Uh, let's talk about that. Man, I was hoping to get it skate free out of this one. I thought we were. <laughs> 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 next, you're going to ask me about John Aguiar, right? <laughs> I mean, let me just you know. Oh, gee, I, you know what? I just remember I have to make this phone call. I, guys, it's been nice to you. All right, let's get to it. All right, so uh, well, let me ask you something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punt the ball on this possession, and I'm okay. gonna, I'd like for, to hear you what you guys think about it, and then I'll come in in the fourth quarter and make a fool of myself and, and answer. Okay, how's that? Okay. What do you guys? All right, think? I'm gonna punt the ball to Jordan. Okay. As <laughs> never made a World Series final table, um, I, it seems excessive to me. Um, I know that part of it seems like it's for the streaming. So that people can follow it, and you know, you don't have to wonder what what did this guy do? How much is that? But as as a poker player, I I love being able to ch- tap the table to check. I, I don't want to have to say you know I check, or I don't know if it's so far that you have to say like when you muck, you have to say I fold. I don't know if it goes that far, but no, no. There are a lot of things in the way that somebody says something or the way that somebody does something that you can pick up reads on. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we had a guy on our show who wrote a a new book on poker tells and, you know, just being able to pick up information like that at a live table is, you know, the more information that's out there, the more that benefits somebody who's willing to pick up on it. But um, I know from playing a lot of live poker is that people uh, actually 
TJ Cludio, I have a story from when I played an event and he was at my table. He like told the dealer, like he put out a bet and he didn't say how much it was. And the dealer started to count it out. And he's like, miss, don't count that out. Like never tell them how much it is unless they ask for it. And it's, I can kind of see where that's coming from. He did it to the point where it was a little bit jerkish, but you, you know, if you put out like one $5,000 chip or, or make 5,500, like a 5,000 or $500 chip, it's fairly easy to see like what that is without having to say, okay, I raise 5,500 where some people will be definitely nervous about saying that, especially at a final table where, you know, if they can just put it out, that's easy for them. But if they have to say, I bet 1.2 million, then like maybe they, they get a little quiver in their voice or, you know, what about somebody who's not a native English speaker um, or somebody who's just quiet in general or somebody who's actually mute? What about, what about them? I don't know. Yeah, so, I agree, I agree I, with Jordan. just to play devil's advocate um i i'm thinking when you were saying your answer jordan that you know yes it 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 adds another point where someone could be nervous or another opportunity for maybe a better or more skilled player to pick up on reads but i think that might just add yet another area uh where people if they want to be a good player of just disguising their tells or picking up tells where they they're sort of they can just develop that that ability, um, and I think ultimately it, it it's going to make some people uncomfortable. But I think that's more so because it's new, as opposed to you know it being just crazy. And well, I think they well, it's ahead. different because they they play the entire tournament up to that point, and then at the final table with all the pressure on, that's when they have to start doing this. You know, that's true. That's, meant- that is another good, really good point. Is that for most of us, a final table, World Series final table, is going to be the biggest moment in our poker lives. Um, and to add yet another thing on there for pressure isn't always the greatest thing. But I honestly think it's the whole, the whole reason behind it is for all the online guys who like to bet two million one hundred twenty-five thousand seventy-five. They just want all that out of there. They just, they just want one point two million. That's why they color up the <laughs> chips. <laughs> all right, so. Nolan, tell tell us a little bit why the rule is in place and then what you think about it. All right. Um, first of all, gentlemen, well, uh, you know, you, you stated your case well. I, I admire and uh, understand and, and to a certain extent, extent agreed with the D, agreed with everything you said until <laughs> I heard and thought about it more. Okay. Now, here's where, here's where I think that you, all three of you, and everyone with me out there who's going to essentially hate, hate, hate this idea, uh, think of the bigger picture, and the bigger picture is this: is that is that the picture of Russ Hamilton? Or oh, oh no, you're, <laughs> man, you're, you're interrupting! You're interrupting my dramatic moment, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're killing my shot. All right, let's try it again. <laughs> okay. So you got to picture this: is that the World Series of Poker and really all televised poker events, particularly major tournaments, are becoming dull, dull, D-U-L-L. And if you took at the last three or four final tables, particularly last year's, there was one there was one period where at the final table, nothing against the players, okay, nothing against them. They paid ten grand 
to play this tournament. They can do whatever they want. They get to the table. They act the, There were no rules. They could do what they want. There was 45 minutes that went by where not one word was said. Okay? <laughs> now, let me tell you something. That's okay, and that's their prerogative. If we're going to grow this game, if we're going to make this fun again, if we're going to make it where people are going to be watching this on ESPN or other TV networks and saying, that looks like fun. I'm going to go try that at the 1-3 game this down down the road. I'm going to give that a shot. You've got to make it fun, entertaining, and maybe even exciting, okay? And I'm sorry, the only way you can do that is through talking. That's the only you, – you can have cool hands or a bad beat, but you need to have personalities and characters and dialogue and talking, all right? You must have that. Must. You must have that. And, you, uh, and, and so this is, in a sense, a very revolutionary idea. It is – Reinventing the wheel. It is changing poker fundamentally. I, 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 back to the riverboat gambler days, they didn't used to have to do this. We were talking about changing hundreds of years of tradition and history. And again, is it for a greater good? I would suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to this, that poker on television is dying. Have you considered... I don't tell them the back and talk about how great, wait a minute, how great this thing is going. It's dying, ladies and gentlemen. The ratings are falling. And they're falling because these events are boring. Here in the World Series, you've got to do something to create energy, characters, excitement, and good guys and bad guys. And I'm going to tell you something. If this doesn't work, so be it. But at least we're trying new things. At least we're trying to do something that may jolt, you know, essentially putting the, that electrical shock thing on the, on, the, on, the, on the guy who's laying there flat on his back. We're trying new things. I'm going to tell you something. I admire that. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe it won't work. But I'll tell you what, we're going to try and do everything we can to make this thing fun and exciting. Or, you know what, one more thing. I know, I'm, I know I'm on a soapbox, but I'm not, you know, one more thing. This is important here. Why? Because, again, this game is flattening out in popularity. It's not like it's growing wildly in the United States. To get more fish in the pond, to get more money in your pocket, ultimately, you're going to have to have more people want to jump into these games. They're not going to do that by watching. I'm going to pick on Eric Seidel. I love Eric Seidel, great player. If there's nine Eric Seidel's at that table, those headphones, not one word, that is not, that is not exciting, fun, entertaining poker. I'm sorry. I'm glad to see this rule. Yeah, I mean, I think as poker players, we tend to forget a little bit that this isn't a rule designed to make it more fun for poker players to watch poker players. It's the guys that I used to play with in my home game at my last job that he saw Jerry Yang and he started overbetting every pot for the next three games that we played. That's what Jerry Yang did. And he was the world champion. And it was fun for him to say 1 million, even though we tried to get him to stop saying 1 million when he was betting a dollar, but he kept doing it. (laughs) But that for him, Jerry Yang saying 1 million and putting a big pile of chips out there was so exciting that Mm -hmm. You forget that that's the kind of people that are watching poker on TV, not the guys that are playing 16 tables online at the same time. Yeah, and I think this goes yeah, back exactly. to, the, to, to the battle for the, the Players' Championship, and it's the both sides. It's one side that said it should, it should continue to be horse or eight game at the final table because of the purity of poker. But then the flip side of that and what Negranu kind of uh, stated is that, you know, no one really wants to watch that, um, right? At least right now in the poker world. At least uh, Raz. At least not Raz. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely not Raz. But he, you know, making that final table hold them was what was good for the game, and and I can see both sides of it there. And it's it's one of those things where me as a poker purist doesn't doesn't want to see that final table changed. But if you are thinking big picture and you're thinking at the end of the day. 
for those of us who want to make money in poker um, at the tables, you have to get the, those recreational players excited and do things to do that. And and speaking of that, have you considered hiring monkey dealers? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, they couldn't keep the deck straight. Um, but, but seriously, uh, one last question on that is, is the announcer guy going to be gone? Or is that you? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, announcer guy? I don't know what you mean. You mean Lon mm. McCarran? And, and no, no, no. At, at the final table where he says, you know, uh, Oh, no, no. All that, no, no. In, in fact, that makes the announcer's job easier. Because <laughs> a lot of times they're, they're sticking all these colored chips out. You know, but he says, I bet one million. Oh, oh good. That's easy to understand. It's going to cost me one million. I got six million on my stack. And, you know, it's, it, it, you know, maybe it speeds up the game. I never actually, I don't know if that's one of the reasons, but you know, it, it, it's 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 all inf- information is good here. You know, more information mm-hmm. for the for the for the fans, more information for the announcer, more information for the fellow players, and you know, good poker players are going to be able to adapt to this. Okay, it's not like you know you're you're forcing them to go up and sing uh, you know Ave Maria in front of five thousand people. We're not we're <laughs> asking them to say one one word here. Okay, it's not it's not that challenging. Okay, and, I, and, and by the way, it potentially brings in where you have false voice tells. Think about that. Think about how intriguing this. It gets back to this psychology where you have, you know, you can have a lot of different levels of thought. It, it, let me say this: it's intriguing, is it not? You don't have to necessarily say, "Helen, you're right," or "This is a great rule." I don't expect people to to, to say that. I, I expect them to say, "Let's give this a chance." It, it sounds interesting. It's a one more thing. One more thing. And I do want to give. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Did I? No, no, I was just going to say, I want to, I want to give the World Series credit because, like you said, I mean, they, they innovate. They innovate with the games. They innovate with the rules each year, and they try to tweak and make things better. And it's not one of those things where, oh, this is the corporate way, and we're going to do it this way every year. It's worked before. We're going to stick with it. And, and you guys don't do that. And I, I, I think we all really appreciate that. I mean, the November 9 is a perfect example of that. I think a lot of us hated that idea of, of just yeah. stopping the tournament for months. I just, you know, what are you doing? You're messing with the flow of the game, but ultimately it became so much better than we expected, and and so and built up interest, and and was great for like like this. All we've been talking about is generating more interest and more excitement. Yeah, exactly, and 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 again, I I guess you know we're in the media, so I think we have a tendency to 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 look forward. In other words, we can't just be all you know concerned about what is it like in 2012. Those of us who, you know, hope to be around here for a while, we'll try to look, what's it going to be like in three to five, ten years, you know? And the worst thing that could possibly happen to the game is if this thing were to fall off ESPN. Uh, I want you to think about the, I want you to grasp what that would mean to this game. I think it basically would, I think it, I don't want to say it would destroy poker, but it would certainly give it a, it, it would not, it, it, right now it's on, it's on level with NBA games and, it, you know, mm-hmm. major sports. I mean, it's right there. Let's be quite frank. And the ratings are, you know, close to that as well. Sort of not with NFL, but with other sports, for sure. For sure. Yeah, so, and I think so everyone everyone attributes, yeah, like, a lot of this to Moneymaker, but without ESPN, there is no Moneymaker. Exactly, and there won't be the next Moneymaker either. So we got to have that next Moneymaker moment on TV seen by 20 million people. That is absolutely critical to the future of this game. And the worst thing that can happen, again, is if these ratings decline, people are a lot interested and not entertained. And if they're not entertained, they won't watch. You've got to, it's not, there's not enough just hardcore poker players to sustain ratings. You must have average, everyday quasi even non-poker players watching otherwise you don't have enough numbers and that means they take it off the air and that means basically this this whole thing comes down and so i don't want to be having this discussion in 2016 and espn saying well 
sorry, the ratings weren't high enough. Think about, guys, what you could have done. I don't want to hear that speech. What could you guys have done three or four years ago to make these things more exciting? Well, these are, this is the moment in time. This is one of those things. Let's see if it works. And, awesome. and I think when people talk about the poker boom, the next poker boom, it's going to happen, you know, whenever it's legalized in the U.S. or whatever, so much of it is hinged around people thinking when they watch on TV, they'll see a commercial and go online and put their money on, and then they'll go play. If there's nothing on TV, it all falls apart, and there is no poker boom. People aren't going to start playing internet poker if they're not watching it on ESPN. Exactly that this game is intrinsically tied to media and television. Uh, whether we like it or not. Yeah, there's stories going to get, you know, if you walk into Bellagio in 10 years, there will be a poker table. But again, the future of the game depends upon having thousands of poker tables in all states, in many, many countries. And the way to sustain that is through, you know, the biggest thing in the world, which is television and obviously the internet and, uh, 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 you know, computer technology. Yeah, and speaking of things falling apart, uh, have, have you guys... Uh reconstructed the mothership aka the thunderdome aka the final table so that it can handle all the crazy brazilians and british <laughs> this year well it's uh it, it's 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 you know i i did i i did not expect this uh, to change much but when i came in this year i noticed that it had been reconfigured and the, and the configuration is slightly different in the sense that if you recall it was kind of like a boxing arena and closed off you couldn't really see in very well well now it basically it's like been cut in half it's like if you took a what is it like a clamshell and essentially cut it in half? Well, you can, you know, from from walking through the middle of the of the, uh, of the Amazon room, which is where the finals are, you can see into the shell, and so you can be anywhere in that room and see what's going on. That's a, a great enhancement. We lost a few seats, by the way. I mean, it's not as it, it's actually just as big, but I mean, the capacity is a little less. But it, it's now more people can see into the room. So again, it's you know that's, that's Maury Escondani at Poker Productions, who is now the production team that's uh, doing the uh, ESPN thing. They that's his whole thing. That's his baby. He he's done that. He Maury Escondani, write that name down if you don't know. That is a that is one of the best people in this game, and he deserves a lot of applause for the things he's brought to the World Series and poker. Yeah, I met him last summer, and and he's a very very nice guy. And uh, we need to get him to get high stakes poker back somehow. <laughs> yeah, he was one, he was the founder of that, and right. I mean, and he's by the way, he's one of those proponents of talking at the table, creating personalities, letting people be themselves, and he's he's one of those guys. So he's he's part of this movement as well, and you know, and 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 Maury is just a very likable guy and gets the whole picture. He's a player himself, so you know, I, I think I think sometimes, gentlemen, you you guys will agree with this. Sometimes you have to also. Trust in the instincts of some people that you admire and trust. And in fact, Maury's one of those people. If Maury tells me something and I disagree with him, I'll tell you what, I'm going to rethink my position because I, I figure this guy, he knows it, you know? And so he's one of those people that's for this as well. Good, good. Um, so let's talk about the uh, the cash games a little bit. Uh, are the cash games, I hear they're, they're in their own room. Is it as big as the Amazon room? Yeah, keep in mind now this year the largest uh, – World Series we've had in terms of tables, we expanded by 92 tables. That's, of course, you think about that for a minute. The one of the largest poker rooms in the, you know, I don't know what commerce and the bike have, but you know, the, I mean, they, they, what do they have? Two or three hundred tables or something like that. And we, we're adding nine, we're adding the size of, you know, one of these casinos essentially, uh, you know, to, to the to the World Series of poker. And so, and that was done to be able to accommodate a lot of satellites and the deep stacks and the cash games. And so we have a much larger number of tables, 92, as I said. There are now three rooms. The Amazon room, which you traditionally know is the place where 
the Mothership, as you call it, the ESPN coverage. We've held the, the main event, you know, in there predominantly. Now they also have the Pavilion, which is the biggest room. It's kind of like the, the big hall. And then there's an, a side room called Brasilia. Mm-hmm. By the way, people are saying, what are those names? That's kind of, well, keep in mind, this is the Rio, so the convention services people. I get it now. Yeah, real Brazilian things, and there's this river I hear down there called Amazon. So these are are the, these are the, why these names are kind of odd. But anyway, there's three rooms. One of the rooms is situated in the Brasilia. My understanding is, having walked through there many, 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 many times, is that uh, the Cascades are about where they were last year. Um, I, I, I say they're about where they were. We're running, you know, 75, 80 games at one time. Uh, that's a pretty good number, and I think those numbers will pick up as we approach the end of the series. Nice. And speaking of the the games offered, I'm not sure if this was true, but I I thought that the lowest limit in previous years for cash was for for no limit was two five, but I heard that there's one three there now. Yes, and that is now the most popular game. Yes, indeed. So yeah, because I, I remember. Seat. Go ahead. <laughs> Lock you up the seat. Oh yes, <laughs> yes for sure. I'll be there soon. Um, but yeah, I think because I think before you had to go into the actual like the Rio poker room, the thing with like ten tables. Uh, yeah, yeah. To play one three, um, and I was always uh, I you know you kind of want to be near the action if you're a recreational player like me. You kind of want to be in that the 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 room with all the excitement and everything. Um, and two five is eh, at the top of my range, so I would play it. But um, I'm I'm very excited about that one three is now offered in that same area. I agree, and you know, and, and by the way, from a business standpoint, I, you know, I, I guess I, you know, unfortunately, in a way, because I wear a suit, I have to look at, I have to see how, you know, how things are judged, not just from, you know, what's the best thing for the players. Well, it is a business, you know, they want to make money. Well, the rake essentially is the same on those games. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's not going to matter. So my my view is, and that's kind of the Rio's view in their great wisdom in the World Series, is to hey, offer as many games to get as many players into the into the games as, as they want to play. And 1-3 is proving to be, certainly it's the most, Las Vegas is most popular in the 1-2 games, and I guess 1-3 some places. That's, that's the bread and butter now of uh, not just no limit only, but poker. Mm-hmm. What about the uh, high-stakes games? Have those started up yet? Got any yeah, serious games part, going? Oh, it was, it was amazing. I'll tell a story real quick. I, you know, again, I, I'm always on my, either sitting or riding, or I'm on my feet running around, and this is three days ago. I think it was on, what's the day? Thursday, so it was on Sunday or Monday. I was walking through the pavilion, and keep in mind there was the table up on the stage. They're playing, uh, I think it was a seven-card stud, eight or better, high-low split, uh, you know, uh, championship. Three women on the, I'm sorry, two women on the final table, a guy from Britain. I mean, there were a lot of people up there. There were, you know, 200 people watching, plus, you know, this internet stream. And there were people jumping and, you know, you know how the players, uh, the spectators are at some of these events. Mm-hmm. Well, I looked out in the middle of the room, and there were more people around this one table in the middle of the room. Oh, and wow. It was kind of like, you ever see those, like, uh, film clips of, like, the Chicago, uh, you know, Mercantile Exchange or the, you know, the, the stock exchange where all the guys are have the paper, paper and they're waving the paper in their hand? And, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, yeah. like that? I mean, that's what it looked like. It looked like a... What are those things called? Mosh pits or whatever they call those things? Yeah, that's yeah. what it looked like around, around this table. I bet there were, there were, there were 200 people just jammed in. They couldn't. So I said, I said, something's either happened over there. Somebody's either won a million dollar pot or somebody died. I don't know. I don't know what you do. <laughs> so, I, so I'm going so to run over there. And of course, it was 
you know, the characters you would typically think, you know, the Patrick Antonius was there, and, and the minute the buy-in on the game was $200,000, cash played, they had the cash on the table, and uh, so, you know, there was, I don't know, $5 million on the table or something like that, and Wow. Uh, oh, but again, which might, reminds me, gentlemen, uh, they, they, Patrick Antonius wanted me to ask you guys, should they lock you guys up a seat? <laughs> it depends yeah, how lock. we do it in the million-dollar event. <laughs> and, and, and the 1-3 game. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, now that there's anyway. a 1-3 game, my plan is to run it up uh, to play in that game. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe if Patrick runs bad, they'll meet somewhere in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he hasn't run particularly well in gold bracelet events. You know, I, I'm starting to think he's a fraud, so we'll, we'll see. We'll give him a little more time. <laughs> you guys heard me here first. Fraud. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Um, any any other, like, crazy stuff going on, just issues around the World Series so far? Uh, you, you mentioned there were a couple crashes. Let's talk about those. What's going on? Um, not, 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 not that I can tell you about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which of my memoirs come out? They're going to be salacious, believe me. Uh, oh, okay. No, no. We're going to name names and uh, you know throw everybody under the bus. No, no. In all honesty, it's it's a privilege to work here. I I, I feel I'm entrusted with a lot of the public's you know uh, trust for for being their eyes in a sense. I don't know if people read what I write, but it's the daily reports and the official report of each gold bracelet event. I post that at wsop.com and. You know, it, it, to me, it's an exciting thing to do and meet new players. Every champion, you Brian Hastings won tonight. I uh, want to go bracing for event 12 and heads up. Wow. No Limit Hold'em World Championship won about 400 grand. I get to go up and talk to him for 10 minutes. That's pretty cool, okay? That's a pretty cool thing I get to do. And so I'm interested with taking that information, putting out here, and I say, basically, ladies and gentlemen, here's Brian Hastings. Here's your gold bracing winner. Here's why this is a really cool thing he did. And I tell the story. And, uh, so, you know, every day I come in here, that's that's what I do. That's kind of my real goal, aside from talking to you guys, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it doing that. So it's it's uh, it's something I've done for 11 years. haven't missed a, a final table since 2002. And so I'm trying to, you know, keep this, I guess, Cal Ripken, uh, or, you know, used to be, what, Luke Garrett, now it's Cal Ripken, keep that string alive. Yeah, did, now when uh, when Brian won his bracelet in that Heads Up event, did he mention if he was getting assistance from anyone else during that play? <laughs> <No. laughs> well, it's funny, the, the, rail was, the rail was packed, okay? Just do, do the math, all right? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it's funny, it's, that's, a, that's a good question, actually, you asked me, because it's, I, I, I've realized that there's a correlation between the number of spectators in the audience. We'll tell you eventually how many backers uh, are, are, should I say, debtors. <laughs> I'm sorry, if Abner Levy ever won a gold bracelet, that, you know, we, we would need security to keep people out of the league. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so did you get an interview or uh, our friend Vincent Vanderflut? Uh, you know, Vincent I talked to a little bit. He's from Holland. He was the fourth gold bracelet winner from the nation of uh, the Netherlands. He mm-hmm. won, uh, he won uh, last the, the PLO night event. at the yeah. Omaha event. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, can I get a quote? Yeah, absolutely. He's up there, you know, at the, the site. Uh, very nice gentleman. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I, mean, I, I got to admit, I didn't know him at all until I'd seen him play last night. So, again, for me, a lot of it's like, you know, do I, I can't know 75,000 players. And that's kind of the cool thing, too, is that when people come to the World Series, I think they make new friends. I don't mean me, just, just me. I mean, players who, you know, share an experience and I don't know if anybody here doesn't come in here and say it's good to see a lot of their friends, old friends, and make new friends. And it's in a sense almost a, 
it's a fraternity party in a way or whatever you want. You know, kind of that. It has that atmosphere. And I, I think that's really, really, that's really what it's all about. Yeah, yeah I think someone just, described it as I think someone described it as a summer camp, and I, I think that's a perfect way of looking at it. Is everyone just comes and all your friends are there, and you make new friends, and it's just very exciting. And you make and amends. For, you make amends for insulting Doyle on Twitter and having him block you. In Tom's case, yeah. last year, <laughs> <laughs> he and Doyle got in a little bit of a Twitter fight, and they made up at the World Series. Yeah, <laughs> things happen. You get back together. It's all good. And there's booze. Yeah, <laughs> just like summer camp. <laughs> yeah, just like summer camp. Um, are are there uh, stiffer alcohol rules for the rail or no? God no. <laughs> <laughs> stiffer drinks. <laughs> no, I, you know, in all seriousness, you gotta have. This is Las Vegas again. I I understand you've got to have security. You don't want people getting drunk and you know tearing up things and all that. But let's 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 keep it fun. Good, and, uh, good. I'll tell you, when we get the Brits in here or the Irish, I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but <laughs> it's an amazing experience. And I tell you what, yeah, I tell you, I, I think I'm just jealous and bitter and, and envious because they get to drink and I don't. So, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you can't drink. Well, I got my little flask here, but let's not, you know, don't tell the world. Okay? <laughs> that's what four. That's what four a.m. to noon is for when there's no poker going on. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, do you have any other like World Series stories that you, that would be fun or interesting? One in the bag that you want to share with us? Oh man, I don't. Know. I got so I got. So, I, you know, I'm so. Many, I, I was going to ask that one. And then the problem is kind of when you kind of like when they ask you guys like, you know, what's your favorite moment on the on the show? And other than you know Nolan Dowell being on, that's really hard to come up with. <laughs> yeah, usually it's when it's over. It's just, it's just the end. Yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 I give you one. I I, I give you one. Um, uh, I, I, I try. There's actually a few, but I'll give you one from actually a couple of years ago. Um, Heathrow. Does it, you guys know who Heathrow is? Mm-hmm. Eric Froelich. Heathrow. Eric Froelich. Thank you. Two-time gold bracelet winner. Now, uh, the first time Eric won a gold bracelet was 2006 or seven. I forgot what year. I've never seen Eric Froelich before. Okay, I've never seen it before. And he was. Uh, this was this was a film event. They had television cameras on the stage. And I was entrusted, one of the people entrusted with keeping people off the stage during breaks. Because what happens is, is the players will go on break. There's all these chips on the table. The television cameras are, you know, multi-million dollar set. And people will just trump across the stage like it's a, you know, like it's a park or something. And so, you know, you got to kick people off. Sometimes you got to kick some ass. I'm sorry about <laughs> that. you got to be kind of a jerk. you got to get, your, get off the stage. And, you know, there's a lot of people you just have to be tough with. Well, there's this one kind of burly guy. You see where this is going, I'm sure. Yeah. There's this one burly guy that's kind of standing there and I says, you know, I think I said initially, sir, you need to move it back. And keep in mind, I I not really watched the table at all. I just had come over after, you know, being at dinner or whatever. He came back and the guy like, okay, I'll move off. And he goes off and another minute or two goes by and the guy walks toward this table and he's kind of, you know, a big guy and lumbering over and he starts touching the chips. I'm like, I'm like, this guy's got a lot of nerve. I said, this guy's going over, he's going over there and he started to, I said, this joker's just, and, he, and I just thought, maybe in a bad mood, I don't, indigestion, whatever. I said, man, I said, what are you doing up here? I just told you to, I think I used the profanity. I, you know, I, I said, get your ass off the stage. And he goes, he turns to me and he says, but I'm the chip leader. <laughs> well, I didn't know it was Efro. I didn't know it was Eric Froelich. And, of course, you know, we laughed about it later. And 
so you know, I, I so I threw the chip leader off the stage, off the set, threw him out of the, the production. He came back and won. He came back. He came back and won the tournament. And then, of course, what's what's the funny? I guess the funny epitaph of the story is that two years later, Ephraim makes the final table. Eric Fulwick makes the final table, and uh, he goes up there and he sees me walking. He says, "You know, he remembered what happened last time." He said, "Nolan, would you try to throw me off the stage again? I remember how it went last time." <laughs> So, now, see, if, uh, anyway, if you were allowed to one. drink, I think I don't think that would have happened. <laughs> or it would have been a lot worse. Yeah, either that well, or better, it wouldn't I, have happened, or you would have just punched him in the face. <laughs> oh, well, I think, I'm glad Eric Froelich didn't, didn't retaliate, because he's bigger than me, and they probably would have kicked my ass. So that's, uh, you know. <laughs> this is a good example of the World Series of Poker innovating and it not working out so well, is throwing people that are actually in events out. <laughs> hey, you got to try things. Yeah, the new rule is you make the final table that you get to play. <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, I, I must say I hate to cut this thing off. I, I this is the last thing I want to do, but actually I've got to get back into work. I've got some. Uh, I've got a limit hold of the final table. No, uh, thank you, thank you very much for coming on. Hey, um, it's a fun show. We, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, cool. We'll let you get back to work now, um, and <laughs> we we are gonna get ready to throw it to our next segment with uh, Mitch's minute. All right, uh, Tom, Jordan, Bryce, thanks so much. Hey guys, this is Mitch's minute. So thanks a lot, Nolan, for coming on, and uh, thank you, Mitch, as always. I'd also like to thank our listener, Mike G., who sent in his hand. Remember, send in your hands, badoogieallstars at gmail.com, and we'll talk about them, and you can get advice from the very best or one of them. And the us. <laughs> and me and Bryce. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if again, badoogieallstars.com, if you – liked what we said, didn't like what we said about the hand or the interview, or if you didn't like Mitch's second. Sorry again to Mitch, we had to bump the other 59 seconds of your minute because we ran a little long. Um, you know, go to the page on badoogieallstars.com, leave a comment, um, listen to us on Stitcher if you want to do that instead. It's stitcher.com slash badoogie and our badoogie as your sign-up code. We entered in and win $100. That's a real thing. I'm not kidding. Um, Twitter.com slash Badoogie Allstars, Facebook.com Badoogie Allstars for reminders when all of our episodes come out, but you should know that by now. Uh, you're listening on iTunes. Uh, leave us a rating. Don't leave us a rating. I've become indifferent by this point. <laughs> you keep saying that they could win $100 like in a drawing it's, or something, but it, it's it, a, is that never it's ever going to happen? Like No, I, I don't do the drawing. Stitcher does the drawing. Go yeah, but to Stitcher.com, Badoogie. You could every week, hundred dollars. Oh, okay. Sweet. Yeah, I'm not making this up. This is a real thing. Unlike the rest of our podcast, there's a chance this could work out for the best. <laughs> um, yeah. So we have a surprise guest next week. Uh, surprise to all of us, most likely. Um, but uh, be sure to check out our podcast next week. And thanks for listening. This is Techmo Super Bowl. This is Nixon the Grouch. This is Two Four Offsuit. And see y'all next week. <sighs> Control the pet population.
have your pets spayed or neutered. Good night, everybody.